Imagine you're on a diving trip. You dive down to 10, 20, 30 feet. You get to the bottom, 60 feet down, and you're surrounded by coral reefs, tropical fish, strange creatures crawling along the seafloor. Wouldn't it be nice if you could stay for a while? A couple of hours, a day, two days? How about 10 days or more? Well, there's only one place in the world where you can do that. The Aquarius Reef Base Undersea Habitat owned by NOAA and operated by the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. This underwater lab is a few miles offshore of Key Largo and 60 feet down in the heart of the Florida Keys National Marine Sanctuary. And while only a few people get to go to the lab in person, thanks to modern technology, it is possible to experience it virtually, in real time, right alongside the aquanauts living under the sea. And tens of thousands of children and adults did just that this month, and we're going to talk with the National Education Coordinator from NOAA's National Marine Sanctuary Office today about this really cool outreach effort that's spreading the word about the importance of protecting our oceans and reefs and the things that live there. And just because we know you're curious, we're also going to hear from the director of the Aquarius to learn about some of the tech, science, and logistics that make this one-of-a-kind underwater lab a possibility. We've got a lot to cover today, so let's dive right in. This is Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. So today we're going to highlight a 10-day research mission on Aquarius Reef Base that just wrapped up that also doubled as a powerful outreach event to help spread the word about ocean conservation and to increase ocean literacy. It's called Aquarius 2010, If Reefs Could Talk, and in a few minutes we're going to hear all about it. But since this mission took place in such an unusual environment, let's kick things off by getting a better sense of this special place. To help us do that, we spoke with Saul Rosser, the director of Aquarius Reef Base. We reached Saul by phone in Key Largo, the home base for the onshore facilities that support the underwater habitat. The Aquarius habitat is about a 43-foot-long cylinder in which people can live underwater. On the end of the cylinder, there's kind of a square box, which we call our wet porch, and that wet porch has a hole in the bottom, and that hole, kind of a rectangular opening, is where people enter and exit from the water. Air pressure inside the habitat keeps water from entering into the habitat, and uh, in that way, people can live at uh, a depth of 47 feet seawater above an ocean floor at 60 feet, and they can enter and exit through this wet porch and go out and work in the water for up to nine hours every day, and when they come back from these long days of underwater research, they can sleep, eat, analyze their data, and communicate with the outside world about what they're doing down there and why it's important. But how is it that they can stay underwater for so long? If you've ever been diving, you know that you only have a short time before nitrogen levels in your bloodstream get too high. The longer you stay under, the longer you have to decompress to safely get back to the surface. Now, if you don't do this properly, you can get decompression sickness. That's an excruciating and potentially deadly complication. The researchers in Aquarius, though, are staying for days and days on end. So how do they do it? Once you've stayed at a depth for something like 18 to 24 hours, your body tissues become what's called saturated, which means that they've taken on as much nitrogen, nitrogen as they possibly can. And so staying any longer won't add any more nitrogen, and therefore your, the amount of decompression you have to undergo is fixed. So what that means is one day takes 17 hours, two days take 17 hours, and 10 days take 17 hours to decompress. So you might as well stay for 10 days. And so we generally run our missions for 10 days. We run longer ones 
ones, because again, you can stay, um, and there's no more decompression obligation. Okay, that makes sense. But recreational divers usually decompress by hanging out underwater at a shallow depth for a period of time to allow the nitrogen to escape their bloodstream. So how do the aquanauts on the Aquarius decompress for 17 hours? When it comes time for decompression, what we do is the cylinder that is Aquarius, the tube, is a pressure vessel. And we run a hose from this pressure vessel up to the surface, and then we open a valve connected to that hose, and we let the air inside the habitat uh, go out of this hose and slowly reduce the pressure to one atmosphere. Of course, before we do that, we close the door to leading to the wet porch to make sure the water doesn't rush in. Um, but in this way, we can slowly bleed off the pressure over a 17-hour period. And by the end of that, you're back at surface pressure. And once you're at surface pressure, we can just quickly repressurize the habitat and exit to the wet porch and swim to the surface, and we're done. So that gives you the big picture about how researchers get down there, how they stay so long and safely get back out. But that's not the whole picture. There's a lot more to Aquarius than the undersea habitat. So above our habitat, we have a 10-meter uh, diameter, so a 30-foot diameter discus buoy, which contains compressors and generators. And those compressors and generators supply power and air to the habitat via a life support umbilical. It also provides telemetry, which allows us to get our video signals and the communication back from the habitat. Um, and then on shore, we have a couple of uh, shore facilities where we maintain our gear and uh, maintain our boats and dock our boats. And we also have accommodations for scientists who come and participate, trying to keep the cost down for the scientists and so that they can focus their money on, pr on productive research. And then finally, at our base, we have a watch desk, which is kind of a remote control station. We don't actually control the habitat from there, per se, but we sit and we monitor, and we have, during a mission, when there's people living in the habitat, we have 24-hour-a-day monitoring, uh, watching video feeds, watching telemetry of pressure and oxygen content and uh, compressor status and all that kind of thing. So it's a complex operation, and Saul said their main goal is to take care of all the hard operational work so the people who come to use the lab can make the most of their limited time. What Aquarius Reef Base is primarily is a hosting institution. We have an underwater habitat, which is an incredibly useful and productive facility, but then we draw on scientists from universities around the country to come and do science out of our facility. We, we also support other partners such as NASA, who sends uh, astronauts every year to come and train uh, for the International Space Station or space shuttle flights. And we also support the U.S. Navy um, divers who come and train for their specialized activities as well. So we're partnering with all sorts of people. Every month we have a new group come in. This month is the Sanctuary, who we love working with. Um, but every month it's, month it's a new group with a new mission and a new um, goal in terms of exploring and promoting our oceans. Muchas gracias, Julie. The Sanctuaries group that Saul just alluded to is where we're going to focus for the rest of the show. And to lead us in, what you're hearing in the background is a snippet of sound from one of 34 shows. One was broadcast in Spanish and one in English each day. It was streamed live over the internet during a 10-day mission at Aquarius Reef Base this month. And if you've been paying attention, you know that we're talking about Aquarius 2010, if reefs could talk. It was an ambitious program aimed at increasing ocean literacy in English and Spanish-speaking communities around the nation by bringing live ocean research to the web and to classrooms from coast to coast.
So to tell us more about it, we're now joined by Kate Thompson, National Education Coordinator for the Office of National Marine Sanctuaries. And just so you know, Kate and Saul were actually in the same room in Key Largo during our phone interview. We talked to both of them on the ninth day of this 10-day outreach and education mission. Here's Kate. Aquarius is a great way to be able to bring the ocean to communities nationwide because it's the only undersea laboratory in the world. And it's very unique in that we can talk about science and technology and all the cool things that happen beneath the waves uh, through an educational and outreach experience. It's also a great location to reach out to kids around the nation for another reason. Aquarius Reef Base is really wired and we have video conferencing units that actually we are allowed to do point-to-point conversations with the students so we can see them and they can see us and they can see the habitat and the divers out on the helmet. But we wanted to take advantage of of those point-to-point conversations happening. And so we've been broadcasting it live over the Internet. And But we're also going through OceansLive.org. That's our website where we have all of the information supporting the mission and the live feed and also the archive shows. All of the shows that we have uh, done in the past days have also been archived up on OceansLive.org. So that's how uh, people can watch. But the students can interact live. They can ask questions to the divers, to the, to the aquanauts in the habitat, and to us topside hosting the shows. And it's really exciting because they feel like they're part of a produced show uh, that's going out live over the Internet for, the, for everyone to see. This is the second time that the Sanctuary's office has hosted an outreach mission from Aquarius Reef Base. You could say that the first event back in 2007 was a pilot test for the much larger, much more ambitious program delivered this year. During the first run a few years ago, they sent out a broadcast over the web, they produced one live show each day in English only, and they held a live point-to-point session with one school. But this year we've expanded it so much so that we've, we've reached 10 different schools, I think, believe now, four aquariums, a couple science centers, as well as hundreds of thousands of viewers over the internet. Aquarius 2010 connects communities around the nation with real ocean research, and real ocean researchers through live internet broadcasts, live video conferences, at special events, and through social media. As Kate said, this year they reached close to a thousand students at 10 schools with live video teleconferences, but they also reached many more kids at select schools with the help of a partner. We also have what we call hosted sites, where our partners with, with the National Association of Black Scuba Divers and other groups, they actually go and host shows specifically at schools. So I think it's probably pretty much doubled our reach through the hosted show through our partnership with NABS. And uh, I, I can honestly say we, we probably reached close to two, two to 3,000 students uh, just through point-to-points and hosted shows. And as we heard earlier, this year's mission also heralded in a new Spanish language component. In addition to the live daily broadcast in Spanish, the Sanctuary's team also linked up with a few schools that participate in a program from the Channel Islands and Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuaries called MARITO, and that stands for Multicultural Education for Resource Issues Threatening Oceans. What's really cool about this year's mission is the programming in Spanish. We've been doing both English and Spanish programming uh, every day, and we've actually reached a couple of specific Merito schools that, that speak Spanish. And also we went down to Baja, Baja Mexico uh, to a university down there, and they brought in a bunch of students uh, to the university to also have a really cool discussion back and forth with the aquanauts. And we actually have a, a habitat technician and supervisor here who also speaks Spanish, so it was, it was great to be able to, to do all of the Spanish programming. Now, the Spanish language segments, along with outreach efforts facilitated by the National Association of Black Scuba Divers, 
was all about bringing the ocean message to underrepresented communities in areas like Miami, Washington, D.C., Chicago, and Tennessee, so that more students have the chance to explore the wonders of ocean science, technology, and engineering. At the time of our talk, Kate said that over 150,000 people had been reached so far just through the OceansLive.org online site. And that's not counting the thousands of kids reached directly in the classroom around the country. The goal? Kate said the mission was all about building a better understanding of how each of us impact the ocean and how the ocean impacts us. Our biggest thing with education and, and sanctuaries is you know, we're trying to push out these ocean literacy principles. Uh, and the two that we've been really pushing are that the ocean is vastly unexplored and we have so much more to learn from it. And the Aquarius habitat really helps us to be able to study for long periods of time the ocean and, and what you know, we're, we need to learn more about. Um, and then also that humans and the, and the ocean are inextricably interconnected. And it's, it's really important for students to understand that what they do, what their parents do, do, their friends do, impact the ocean every day. And in their backyard is a watershed, and that watershed leads to the ocean. Whether they're here in Florida or in California or North Dakota, they need to know that they impact it and, and what they can do to make change for the ocean. And what they can do to make change for coral reefs in the ocean. Kate said that the research conducted during the 10-day science mission was focused on listening to what the reefs had to say. We're trying to understand how the different parts of the reef connect and how we connect to them. That's been the, the, the big overarching science message for this mission. And it's important to emphasize this point. Aquarius 2010 was a major education and outreach effort, but it was also a real scientific mission. Kate said that key parts of the reefs, like corals and brittle stars in the area around the Aquarius, have been closely monitored since the early 90s to better understand the changes in this fragile habitat. What they're noticing this year is, gosh, there's, there's just not that, that much going on out there anymore. There's so much missing. They're doing uh, diadema counts uh, or, um, or sea urchin counts, and they've found maybe one or two the entire time they've been out here which is really scary and, and sad. And the reefs themselves are degrading. They, they have photographs of the same places for the past, you know, 15, 20 years. And it's just showing that the coral itself is degrading uh, and, and is becoming covered in algae. And, and these are some major issues that, that they need to address. Now, added to this long-term reef habitat research, there were many other science inquiries going on during Aquarius 2010. For example, researchers from the University of Connecticut and California State University at Monterey Bay we're looking at group foraging in fish to better understand how they cooperate. And NOAA's National Centers for Coastal Ocean Science also had researchers on site. They were tracking fish at night using sensitive sonar systems because we really don't understand much about where and why fish shuttle back and forth each day from sheltering areas to feeding grounds and how this behavior might be impacted by degraded reefs in the area. We asked Kate what she hopes the students take away from all of these science activities. People really need to learn about the problems facing our oceans, and they really need to become part of the solutions. And you know, we're seeing so much through our scientists and, and people studying the reefs. The changes over time on these reefs is are really amazing. Uh, just you know, just uh, I first came to diving down here, I think probably 10, 12 years ago, and just that that span of time since, since I first dove here is amazing and, and what's happening to these reefs. Uh, you know, picking up a clump of algae and pulling it away and, and seeing the, the reef suffocate with this algae is saying, okay, what the heck do I need to do in my backyard to make a difference here? 
If this has piqued your curiosity and you missed the live broadcast, you're in luck. You can watch all the archive shows from the mission at oceanslive.org. And also be sure to check out sanctuaries.noaa.gov for more info about this mission and all the cool things that NOAA's Office of Marine Sanctuaries does. And last but not least, we have a short video for you on the Ocean Service YouTube channel. That's at youtube.com slash usoceangov, all one word, so you can get a visual of what Aquarius Reef Base is all about. We'd like to thank Kate Thompson, National Education Coordinator for NOAA's National Marine Sanctuaries, and Saul Rosser, the Director of Aquarius Reef Base, for taking the time out to talk with us for the show. Aquarius 2010, If Reefs Could Talk, was sponsored by AT&T and the National Marine Sanctuary Foundation. Now let's wrap up the show this week with the last word from Kate. What's awesome to me is being on the other end of a classroom when the kids stand up and they and, and we ask them, you know, what can you do to help protect the ocean? And, and the first one of the first things they, they say is, well, you know what? I can I can recycle or you know, I can I can screw in a, a light bulb that, that saves more energy or I mean and these kids are coming up with these things on their own. They're you know, they're not necessarily hearing them from us and I'm gonna go back and talk to my mom and dad about what we can do in in, in our backyard to, to not use fertilizer that, that's gonna impact these reefs. So it's it's really cool for me to be able to see the kids light up when they see a diver do a flip off the top of the Aquarius habitat or when they see a scientist doing monitoring of fish out there and they get so excited when they see a barracuda go in front of the camera. It's just bringing that connection to them, bringing the ocean live to them is is what really gets me excited and to see their faces and to see what they potentially could do. And that's all for this episode. If you have any questions about this week's podcast, about the National Ocean Service or about our ocean, you can send us a note at nos.info at noaa.gov. And be sure to visit us online at oceanservice.noaa.gov. Now let's listen to some ocean. This is Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. We'll return in two weeks.